Two, thank you, Ross. How is everyone? Good. Great to be back in Mucker. I've got some little helpers here to help me this morning. My name's Brad. I see a lot of faces here that I don't recognise, so some of you probably don't don't know me, and um, that's cool, and, and our family, but we're born and bred Mucker stock, and that's the way where the good looks come from, isn't it, Mucker people? And, um, and it's such a blessing to be here, to be with you this morning, and instead of actually wasting time, because I really have a... I believe, a powerful word on my heart to encourage so many people here today. Actually, I don't, if you leave, don't live encouraged, I'll give you your money back, okay? How's that sound? But, um, but, and so I don't want to waste too much time, but in a, in, long story short, we're from Mucker, and I'm a sheep shearer. If it is by trade, I say if that is a trade, I don't know. But, um, and uh, 2015, February 10th, I was shearing away, and that day became a very uh, full-on day for us where my, our son Blaze, we've got three redheads, Sky and myself, we work in uh, Signs and Wonders because we don't have red hair, but we've managed to pump out three redheads. So we obviously have some sort of gift there to the world. And, um, and my oldest one, Blaze, he was diagnosed with uh, acute myeloid leukaemia on that day and faced uh, what we've been going through since then, over seven rounds of chemotherapy, a bone marrow transplant from his sister, Chloe, and... Um, and so he spent about 240 days in a one-year period in one little isolated room, not allowed out for one year in about 40-day segments each time. And so I really, we're here today to say a couple of things, but Blaze wants to say a couple of things and Chloe wants to say a couple of things, and then I'm going to use that to, to share a word from you today, with you today. Thank you, everyone, for preaching for me. Mama, tell a joke, tell me a story. What? <coughs> okay. Who wants to hear the story about the three rows? Well, well, well. Why did the bird go to the hospital to have treatment? Well done, Blaze. <laughs> what do you want to say, Chloe? Hello, my name's Chloe, and I'm going to tell really funny jokes. I thought you were going to tell them about what you did. <laughs> Guess why the sun crosses the sun? To get to the sun. They get all their humour from Sky. Tell them, maybe you're going to tell them about what happened to you. What did you do last year, this time? You had a? Operation. And what did they do? They put me to sleep. Yep. And they took your what? What, what did you have that helped Blaze? My blood. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, Chloe. All right, good on you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, so Chloe's bone marrow br- blood. And that's going to tie into what I want to share with you this morning. The title of uh, my sermon, if you uh, have your have your phone there and you can get off Facebook for five minutes and write some notes down, that'll be good. Or if you're taking notes, I want to speak this morning from the, the subject, the harvest beyond the hurdle. I want to talk to you about looking at the harvest beyond your adversity, looking at the harvest beyond the hurdle. I want to say to you today, there is always something more to what you are going through right now. There is always something more to what you are going through right now. And often, there is a miracle beyond the mess. There is a testimony beyond the test. And I want to encourage you today with going into 2017, a year of uncertainty, because every day is a day of uncertainty. But you can walk in an uncertain year with a certain faith in a certain God. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. I want to go to the book of Second Samuel, chapter 23. And verses 8 to 12 there, this is, uh, and please bear with me with some of the names in this section of Scripture. And I may just say that person instead of their name, but this is what it says about David's mighty men. I believe that before me today there is people here who are mighty in God. 
not just men, men and women that God is wanting to use in a mighty, mighty way. It says this in verse 8 of 2 Samuel 23, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb, uh, he was a Tacamonite, uh, was a chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him, I want you to catch this guy. This is the key to my text uh, and sermon today, this scripture here. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Aohite, as one of the three mighty warriors. He was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated. But Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze. Can someone say froze? Froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. I love this last person out of the top three. Next to him was Shammah. The word name Shammah means the Lord is present. And who knows when the Lord is present, you're in the majority. Well, Shammah, he was the son of Agi, the Hararite, when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, a pea patch. The Israelites' troops all fled. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and he struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory that day. You can leave it on that, that slide, thanks there, where just for a second. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Lord, help me preach the excitement in, my, in me for this text. There's something I want you to notice about these three mighty men. There's a few things I want you to notice, but there's something very key. One of the things is that the Lord always gives the victory. The victory is never because we're good enough, because they're strong enough, but the Lord brought the victory. But there is a place for standing in faith. Yes, the Lord gives the victory to our lives as Christians, but you actually have to stand and fight. The Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith. In other words, yes, the Lord has given you victory and you can access victory in every area of your life, but it doesn't just come automatically. There is a stand of faith. The fight of faith. What is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. It's a person like you or me who stands and, and, and contends for what they haven't seen yet, for what they're hoping for, for what they believe God has said to them. The fight of faith. And um, it's important to know that you have a fight on your hands. It's important to know that the enemy is after your life. It's important to know that whilst we shouldn't preach about the devil and give him the stage and give him the limelight, we should know a couple of things about him. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know the devil has a plan for your life in John 10.10 10, to steal, kill and destroy every area of your life. Why is it that today we are so we, we, we're more educated than ever before? We have more resources than ever before. We have everything at the touch of a finger. We have so much technology, yet depression is higher. Anxiety is higher. Suicide is higher. Mental illness is going through the roof. Why is it? It's because that, that we need Jesus, to put it simply. It's because there's still something missing. It's because the enemy is wanting to wreak havoc on people's lives and it's coming after people's lives and people don't know how to stand and contend and stand in faith and victory. Another thing we should notice here about these men is that they stood their ground when others ran. All the all the uh, Israelites they fled. They were left on their own. And the stand of faith really comes to, to to your life often when you're alone, often when it's the dark night of the soul, when you don't have someone to encourage you in the Lord, when you don't have someone to pray for you, when you don't have a church singing kumbaya and all holding hands around you, but you're very much feeling isolated. That's when you really see who you are. This is what I 
believe, I believe adversity introduces you to yourself. If you want to find out who you really are, go through something hard and you'll find out who I really am. And these men were people that didn't suffer from peer pressure but said, you know, if everyone else leaves, I'm standing here. Another thing about these men, which is the really the, the heart of this message, these couple of things, is they believed the harvest was worth fighting for. When you read this text, you probably glossed over it like I did when I first read it and didn't realise two things. That when Eliezer was protecting his crop, it was barley and believed to be ripe for harvest. When Shammah was protecting his pea patch, it was ripe for harvest. The enemy was coming, catch this, not just to have a fight, but to take away the harvest. If he can steal the harvest off the Israelites, then he can steal the provision for the next generation. He can steal the blessing for the next generation. And I want to tell you, the enemy is coming after your life, not just to fight you, to take you down. He wants to steal your harvest. He wants to steal what God has planned for you in the future. He wants to steal the the blessings of God upon your life, not just so you have a testimony. Catch this. About six years ago to seven years ago, after Blaze was born, Sky was diagnosed with a degenerative bone disease in her back. And I'm not going to tell the whole story. Many of you have heard it. Long story short, she had this bone disease in her back. They said she had the back of a 70-plus-year-old woman. And it was around that time when I was spending time in the Word of God when God really spoke to me through his word, and in Proverbs, Proverbs, which says this, it said, Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. When I read that, I just started to believe that God was going to bring healing to Sky's bones. But listen, we had a fight on our hands then. Probably not going to have any more kids. Sky's dream was to have a family. Now it's our nightmare. Just kidding. It's good. It's all good. Anyway, but Sky's dream, and we're staring down the barrel of this, this attack on Sky's health, and God revealed it to me this year in my heart when I was guest speaking at a church, and I was like, wow. He said, you fought for Sky's healing. Her back got healed about three months later by believing this word and and what I'm going to give you, the keys today, how to stand on the word. And not only that, we had more kids, but we didn't know back then that when she gave birth to Chloe, she was giving birth to the bone marrow blood that would six years later save Blaze's life in a bone marrow operation. It wasn't about the healing, the fight just then. It wasn't about standing on the word then. It was about the harvest. See, God's word transcends time and transcends everything. And he was saying, yes, stand on my word, but it's not just so you can say my my wife's back is healed and now she can have another child. It's because I've got something for you. You're going to have a problem in six years' time, but I've already provided the blood way back here and you're going to get pregnant and you're going to give birth. It's the harvest. Yeah, you can clap. You're clapping for Jesus. You're clapping for Jesus because he's so good. When I sung that song today, I look around when we said, thank you for everything you've done for me. I look around and I just said in my heart, I wonder how many people here are really thankful for everything he's done for you. And I just can't help but sing about it. Not just at church, I sing all the time. And I often, like I've told Ross once before, I get in my linen ephod and do some dancing every now and then like David because of the things the Lord has done for me. And see, this is what it is. It's about the harvest. Everything you're going through right now, you might have a marriage problem. It's not just about God wanting to fix your marriage and and give you the promises of God for your marriage. It's that there's a harvest. When your marriage is in harmony, when your marriage is in the will of God, you're going to bless your family. You're going to bless other marriages. You're going to help other people. The enemy's trying to steal your harvest. It's not just about raising kids to be godly kids and to sit still in church, which I find very difficult, uh, but raising kids to live for the Lord. It's about the harvest on their life. And the enemy wants to steal the harvest. It's not just about having healthy relationships. It's about the harvest 
It's not just about a church being in unity for the kingdom of God and a family of God in Mukambudan, really showing the community what Jesus looks like, not so they can go, hey, what a great church that is. It's for the harvest. We exist for the people that are unconvinced yet that Jesus died for them and wants to come and live in their life. We live and we breathe and we move as the body of Christ for the harvest. Are you with me this morning? I feel you are. I feel God's presence on this message. I'm excited. Let Think about this. Even Jesus had to face the hurdle for the harvest. He went to the cross, his adversity, and he said, Father, if there's another way, take this cup from me. But what did he do? He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So it was the joy of what? I believe it was the joy of knowing that many sons will come to glory knowing that you and I would one day, and I was a 10-year-old in this church right here, when I first came forward and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. He saw the harvest when he was on the cross. He couldn't see me with his eyes maybe, but he knew one day I would give my life to Jesus, and he saw the harvest, so he endured the cross. And I just want to encourage you today, whatever you're going through, whatever your adversity is this year, you can endure the hurdle if you can see the harvest and believe what God wants to do. The key scripture that I want to go to is two more scriptures, but this is the second last one, is this one here in verse 10. I want to just leave and focus on this. It says this, getting puffed out up here. It says this, But Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. If we're really going to not allow the enemy to steal our harvest, it's going to take, I believe, doing the same thing that Eliezer, Eliezer did. And the Bible said that Difference about his victory. Yes, the Lord brought about a victory, but he had to do something. This is what he had to do. He had to not let go of his sword. Could you imagine being a, a, a warrior in those days, one of David's mighty men, and saying, all right, we're going to war, and you rock up, hey, David, I'm here, and you've got no sword. David would be like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> we'll dig the grave now. If you rock up without your sword, you're dead. And man, it's pounding in my heart right now that we're raising and, and, I, and I'm guilty of this, that any battle that I've gone through that I haven't had victory in is because I haven't known how to hold my sword. And you know, it's good to teach our kids to kick a footy. It's good to teach our kids to, to hit a ball. And I went to a cricket school in Perth and did a scholarship. And you know, we had a subject called cricket. And over and over all day, we would practice, we would practice, we would practice, we would practice so that when, when you're faced with a, a bouncer, you know how to do the hook shot without even thinking about it. It's second nature. Yet we spend so much time on our kids' education, so much time on their sport, so much time on their recreation, so much time on them physically. Go to the doctor, make sure they're healthy. And how much time do we spend putting the sword in their hand, putting the Word of God in their heart? Because when they're facing Goliath, when they're facing Daniel, their lion's den, it's not going to matter how hard they can kick the footy. It's not going to matter how many how many things they've got in their trophy mantelpiece. It's going to matter whether they can use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, this is what Ephesians says. If you go over to the New Testament, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And one of the main weapons we have is in Ephesians chapter 6, in the armor of God, the Bible says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God. There's two types of Greek words in the New Testament for Word. There's Logos, the Logos Word, which is the complete general and the big picture. Jesus is the Word. And there's Rhema, Rhema Word, which is 
Some There's a couple of different views on it, but I, I personally believe the rhema word always lines up with the logos word. They have to be in agreement. But the rhema word is when God speaks to you through his word and it comes alive to you on the inside and you're like, that's God talking to me. That's, that's Jesus talking to me. I don't read my Bible for more religious information. I read it to hear Jesus speak to me. And that's the rhema word of God. And really our swords are the rhema word of God. It's when you know that when a sky's back was healed, it was because I had really heard from God in the scripture and no one could deny it because it was just me and the Lord spending time together and I felt that was for me and I just hung on to that word. And for you, victory or defeat will depend on one thing, whether you know how to use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm passionate about this. This is why I'm a preacher because I've seen this word work for me and anyone who works the word, it'll work for you. So I'm just going to give you this verse that is what we've been living by through the hospital time, um, through times of uncertainty, through times of not knowing. This is, there's a scripture that has helped me that I practice daily. And, I'm, and I really mean it. This, I live by this every day because I actually have found that I, I need it. And it says this in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It's a very famous verse, but we, we forget it. And you've got to understand that in the Old Testament, as they were going into a, a physical promised land, to fight physical enemies, like physical stuff, Jericho and all these places, God was giving them what they needed to prosper and be successful, to, to live in his blessing, really. And today the Bible says we don't fight flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual forces in, in, in the heavenly realm. So this is applicable to us as it was the day it was written, I believe. It says this, this book of the law, that was the word of God to God's people, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and successful. This is the key that I have discovered and it's um, for my life in how to use the Bible so it's not just a boring book that I struggle to read, because for so many years it was. I remember my dad before 2006 when he had a had an encounter with God at a conference where just the Bible come alive to him and we flew to Adelaide and he come back and he says, Brad, I've been a Christian for nearly 30 years and this is just making sense to me now. And and what it is, is it's because, generally, because sometimes we read it, either like a history lesson, or we read it for information, rather than e- reading it for revelation of what God would say for my life. And um, when we actually get that light turned on on the inside, it, the Bible is exciting. The Word of God, I get excited about it because I need it. I don't read the Bible out of duty, I read it out of desperation. I'm desperate for God's word every day. And Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And I know that if I'm going to live, really live, have Zoe life, the life of God on the inside of me, I need his word. And so this is what I do every day. And there's three things I do. I get the word of God in three places. My mouth, number one. You're taking notes. Number one, in my mouth. It says, don't let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. We speak the word in our house. Our house is a place where I try and make sure I set a spiritual temperature with my family. I speak the word of God and uh, and declare it. In fact, um, if the word, if the devil can get that word out of your mouth, he can get it out of his God's will out of your life. That's sort of what it was like. He said, "Don't stop speaking my word." We did that all through hospital. We would just speak the word of God, and it did. Even when we were feeling down, and even when we were feeling um, hopeless, just say, "Lord, I thank you." that greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. I just thank you today, Father, that even though I don't feel righteous because I've just been in, in a pity of worry, a pit of worry, and I 
thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you've made me righteous. Yes, that makes me feel good. See, my feelings will eventually catch up with the word of God, the truth in my life. Feelings always follow truth. If, if my wife came to me and said, look, I've, I've had an affair on you, my feelings would do something. People think we're just all different personalities. No, no, feelings follow truth. It's, and, and when I, I get excited about Jesus because it's truth, he has saved me from hell and death and my sin. And, I, and my feelings should catch up with that and get excited. I don't, I'm not saying you'll have to be extroverts and get in your linen ephods and dance like me. I'm not saying that at all. But if you don't have a sense of passion for Jesus, I wonder, have you met him? Have you met him? He's real and he's here right now. And we speak the word of God. This isn't some new age thing. This is a Bible age from Proverbs 18.21 says, The power of life and death are in the tongue, and they that love it will eat its fruit. Literally, the power of life and death are in the tongue. I think of that woman that was healed of the issue of blood. And the Bible says before she touched, she had had this issue of blood. I relate to that. Leukemia is a blood cancer. It's an issue of the blood. And that woman, she's thought of, you know, she got healed by touching Jesus' garment. But if you read all the Gospels, and especially in Matthew's Gospel, in verse 20 or 21, for those who want to know, check me out on this, it says this in verse 20, it says, she said to herself, if only I could touch his cloak, I'll be healed. She said to herself, she spoke, if only I could touch his cloak, I'll be healed. That's faith. See, faith has a voice. Faith has words. And she was saying to herself, and we, I just like to speak faith over myself. I thank you, Lord, today that I am a conqueror. I'm not going to be conquered. I may fall over, but the righteous man gets up seven times. I thank you, Lord. And she said it to herself. See, it's important what you say to yourself. This word, if you speak this word, that's what the word actually they want. When don't let it depart from your mouth. Teach it to your kids and in the, all the time. Keep speaking. It's important how you talk to yourself. I tell people I talk to myself. I really do. If I didn't talk to myself, I can guarantee you right now I would have a mental illness. Guarantee you. Because it's when I speak God's word into my ear, it sets my mind on truth and it renews my mind to keep speaking God's word. Thank you, Jesus. Even Jesus did this. What about him in the wilderness? And the devil come against his life. Well, what was the devil doing? He was trying to steal the harvest. Coming to attack Jesus in the wilderness to steal the harvest. Every time he come against him, Jesus said three words in my Bible. It is written. He's speaking the word of God. He didn't just go, oh, get away, get away. Please leave me alone. Please leave me alone. The greatest and toughest thing you can do is be a person who speaks. It is written. It is written. God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. It's written. It is written, I don't have a spirit, a, a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I don't have to suffer with anxiety anymore because I've got a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. See, I know what it's like. I, I, nearly six years, over six years ago now, I was a cripple on this road out here. Not everyone knows this story. When I had an anxiety attack, when I was the pastor of this church, and I had an anxiety attack in such a way that left me on the street, not being able to move, crying, thinking I was about to die. This guy drives past and thinks I'm just doing something weird. And uh, ended up going to hospital, looking down a road of medication and trying to get... And I, I had the... I was... What was going on? I really believe, as I've reflected on that, the devil was trying to steal my harvest. Yes, there was some stuff that I was not... I wasn't looking after myself physically. And yes, I was under some, I believe, some pressures that were unrealistic and some pressures that were wrong. But at the end of the day, the devil will use anything to try and steal the harvest. And I'm just here today to tell him that he might have made me fall over, but I'm back. He might have, I might have fallen over once, but I live and breathe and have every move. Why? Because you can come and try and steal my harvest, devil. But yeah, I might not have had the word of God in my heart so much then, but it's in there now. 
and the only strength in my life is Jesus and his word coming out of my life. And I just sometimes like to remind him of that. I just sometimes like to remind him that, yeah, the harvest is still plentiful. Yeah, God uses all things together for, for good to those who love him according to his purpose. I just like to remind him when he comes against my mind. What about you today? What are you speaking? What's coming out of your mouth? I remember when um, Blaze was diagnosed two days later, so February the 12th, 2015. We were about to go in for this chemo and everything that was about to be for us. And, um, and I went to a, a prayer meeting at a church, a church that had supported Mucka Church for a while years ago. And I got into their staff meeting, big church, about 30 to 40 staff, and they're in the prayer meeting. They invited us to come and bring Blaze to pray for healing over his body. And I'll never forget, during that time, a couple of things happened, but one thing, one of the pastors come and grabbed me after and he says, Brad, while we're praying for Blaze, I just want to speak something to you. I, got, I believe I had a word in my heart. And I said, oh, what is it? It didn't sound very good when he said it. He says, I've got the word life sentence. And I was like, I don't know if I want to hear this. And he goes, no, no, no. It's the opposite of death sentence. With long life will he satisfy your boy. And you know what? I just held on to that. I would speak that in the hospital. I'd speak life sentence over his life. I'd say, thank you, Lord. What Psalms 91 says, that with a long life you will satisfy him. I'm speaking that, and I don't know. It's an uncertain future, but all I can operate on is the Word of God in my heart right now. So I speak the Word of God. I remember when, in 2014, this is a funny one, is that um, I had this growth on my tongue. Scott, Scott didn't really think it was very attractive, this growth on my tongue. And it was quite big, and I went to the dentist, and they said, oh, we don't really know what it is. We're definitely going to have to cut it out, and we're going to have to send it away. Now, if you're like me, I mean, God heals me of many things, but I still fear the dentist. I still struggle with the dentist. I'm still working on that one. And I just didn't want to get this done and I'm going to send it away and see what it is and all this sort of stuff. And I was shearing at the export shed at the time down in Perth. And so every morning I would speak over my tongue. I'd actually do this. I'd go, in the name of Jesus, I just speak and I tell this growth to disappear, to go, to shrink. I actually did every day. And I would just drive and I'd say, shrink, in the name of Jesus. I just, I just declare my tongue is whole, it's healed. I just, and I don't know. I just spoke it for, would have taken two months and it just went. Praise God, I didn't have to go to the dentist. It restores me from all things. Anyway, it's just important to speak. I'm not saying now, just name it and claim it. Just speak to that Ferrari and it rocks up. I'm not into that type of preaching or that type of theology. But I am into when God, when you get into his word and you start declaring it and don't let it depart from your mouth, you will get what God wants in your life. Amen? So it's not some hocus pocus. So the second thing about this verse, and then we'll, finish up in a minute because I'm starting to sweat, is not only out of your mouth, notice he says you shall meditate on it. This is so, If you really want to be a person that knows how to use his sword like Shammah and like Eliezer, you've got to learn to meditate on the word of God. It's so important. It says meditate on it when day and night. So whenever it's not day or not night, then don't meditate on it. So when you're dead. But it's actually saying that I want you to have a life that continually soaks in the word of God. Soaks in the word of God. That's why... Um, the psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's going in my heart and I'm, I'm meditating. The word meditate means to mutter to oneself, which is a form of speaking. It's to dwell on. And every person here, if you've ever, ever done this, maybe some of you have, if you've ever, ever worried, then you know how to meditate. Worry is meditation backwards or prayer backwards. Worry is a form of meditating on the wrong thing it's, it's thinking about negative outcomes. It's thinking about things that could go wrong. And worry will affect your body. Have you ever ter heard the term, I'm worried sick? It's because worry makes you sick. 
And it's because Jesus said, do not worry. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, pray, give thanks. Do you, do you, are you with me? Like God's desire is for us not to worry. But it's such a uh, part of our sin nature. It's to worry. Jesus commanded not to worry. I must be sinning when I'm worrying. This is a challenge for me, but this is something the Holy Spirit says, I can help you. But if you meditate on my word, you can start to meditate on what I'm saying and what, or what the word of God says. So I like to wake up in the morning and I like to meditate. Thank you, Lord. Today is the day you have made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. And I'm going to celebrate that you're with me, that you love me, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I just meditate on it. And if we can teach people to meditate on the word of God, it'll be a life change. I've got this thing. I keep this in my, in my wallet. And I've kept it, I want to read it to you, I've kept it all through hospital. This was that same day, that same prayer meeting. Don't you love the older generation who are prayers? You know, just a quick side note, country churches, rural churches, to have the age groups of the band up here is a supernatural miracle, really, really. Like, you know, you don't see this type of thing in rural churches. But we need every generation. We need old, young. And one thing I really appreciate is is some of the the more senior ladies that pray. And this was a, a senior lady at that prayer meeting. She came up to me and she wrote the date. She said the 12th of the 2nd, 2015. I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> but it was just so, she just said, Brad, I want you to, I want you to, I've written this down. It's what God spoke to me. He said about your son. It said he's going to be an orator. Yeah, that's old language. An orator of the most high Lord. He's going to praise and worship me and declare my word to one and all. A long life will he have. A great will be his praise. He will be an orator for me. As he grows into manhood, he will tell all that I have shown him. My word will become alive in him. Yeah. And I will just get that out of my wallet when he's got a temperature. I'll get that out of my, excuse me. I'll get that out of my wallet when the fever's that bad and when he's sick and he's thrown up and when there's cords going everywhere. And I just remember, Lord, I meditate on what you've said. I meditate on that. And yes, it's maybe somebody's, something they've heard from the Lord, but I look at my Bible. And I find the promises that line with that, and I just choose to believe God. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. But I'm moved by what I believe, and I believe God. And that's it. We all have a choice. We can be moved by what we see around us in the, in the politics. We can be moved by the weather. We can be moved by our feelings. But at the end of the day, if you really want to grow in God as I do, I want to be moved by what I believe. And I believe God. That in life and in death, we have victory in Christ, no matter what. What about you today? It's not enough just to get a, a word on Sunday. You, you know, it's really not enough to, to get the Bible preached to you on Sunday. And one thing I love to do is just to speak so much word into people, the Bible. And I don't even sometimes plan these scriptures that come out, but I just want them to get filled with the word of God. But I know something. If they're going to have victory, and I'm going to have victory, you've got to carry it by meditating upon it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, you've got to carry the word of God with you all week long. You've got to, it's got to be so important to you. You've got to look at it like Jesus in print. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to finish off before I turn into a ball of sweat. But if the band want to come up, this last point, you need to learn to get the word of God in your mouth, the word of God in your mind, and the last M, if you want to call this triple M, the word of God in your movement. It says in that last part of the scripture, I love this scripture, it says that you may observe to do. To do all that is written in it. You know, God just doesn't want you to be a walking, talking Bible. That's religious. God wants us to actually get to a place where we do the Word of God. 
we, we do it. It's obedience that he was after for Joshua. When this, this is what I want to say to you. The sword of the Spirit really works when you obey it. When we do, yes, I'm all for speaking it. Yes, but you know, you can speak it and meditate on it and then go out and live like the devil sometimes. It, it, you shouldn't because it should be getting in your heart. But when you actually obey him, James talks about being a hearer and not a doer and being deceived. So what I want to say to you today is that you're blessed when you do. You're blessed when you do. Just check that last point. You're blessed when you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're blessed when you do it. <laughs> the blessing comes at the point of doing. That's when the sword, for example, the Bible says that if you want to have a healthy marriage, don't let the sun go down on an argument. So many marriages are being destroyed right now by the enemy who's after the harvest because a wedge has got in between a husband and a wife and they sleep this close together at night and they're a million miles apart in their hearts. Why? Because they're not doing the word. The Bible says, don't let the sun. I made an agreement with Sky when we got married. We said to one another, no matter what it takes, every night let's let make it sure we hit the pillow with no ought between us. That, that we forgive, that we reconcile things. And that's why we're so tired all the time. We've got so many late nights going. Because Sky can take up to five hours to apologize, I've found out. And I just cannot get to sleep until she does it. Just kidding. But that's when the blessing comes, when you do it. When you do it. I want to tell you today, people don't know Jesus Christ because they're happy to hear it, happy to think about it, but they're not willing to take the step and do it and put their faith in him. And I want to know today, I see so many people I don't know, I just love to lead us as I close in a prayer of actually putting your faith in Jesus. Not in a religion, not, not in some self-help and positive, positive thoughts. Everything I'm talking about this morning comes from Jesus and knowing him personally and having a relationship with him. Everything. So if you're here this morning and you would say, Brad, my, my life is not right with God. I actually don't have a relationship like you're talking about. Brad, you're talking about him like you actually know him. I do. I do. And so many people here do. And I'd love for you to actually know him. And the way to know him is to ask him to forgive you of your sin, of what you've done and what he did on the cross for your life. Is that cool? I'm going to pray a prayer and then I just want to declare something over us. Lord, I just want to come to you now with every head bowed and eye closed. If you're here this morning, this is a moment between you and God. And if you're here and you would say, yeah, I want to get my life right with God. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front to do anything. All I'm going to say is this. I'm going to, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but it's a prayer of saying, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. And I'm going to ask everyone here to repeat the prayer after me. Even if you're a Christian and you've said it before, that's okay. But if you're here and you've never asked God this, this is your moment where you can have eternal life in your heart, where you can be forgiven of your sin. We're going to pray it with you. So repeat after me if you're comfortable to do so. The church will join me. Say, Dear Lord, I come to you this morning, a sinner in need of your saving. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. And I ask you now, come fill my life. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. You died for me. And I'll live for you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, everyone's in that attitude of prayer. Father, I just pray for any person here today that has said that for the first time and has actually said, Jesus, save me in their heart. Holy Spirit, that you would follow that up, that water that seed. I pray for this church, for the people around you, the people here, that we can be a supporting place where you can grow into everything that God would have of you, that you can know your past is gone, that the enemy can stop wreaking havoc on your life and you can know the blessing of having a harvest of righteousness, love, joy, peace and patience. Right now, I just want to declare that what the the enemy has tried to use against you is going to be turned around and used for good. And I want to say that you're going to be a person who's going to make the enemy regret ever messing with your life. He came against you and he used resources and he's come against me. But I'm here today to declare that the the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But it's the Word of God coming out of your mouth. It's the Word of God in your mind. And it's you living and breathing and doing the Word of God. The enemy might have won a bit of a battle, but he has lost the war. He has lost the war. And I declare that we're going to be a people that make him regret even ever coming against our life. Lord, I thank you for a harvest. Right now, I just pray for protection over the workers that are few. I ask for more, more workers, Father, to be raised up. I pray, Father, for men and women of God that have such a heart for the harvest that they'll get their own lives right with you and just say, Jesus, use me. I pray, Father, for Mucker Church and uh, just growth this year, for growth. And when I say growth, I'm not just talking about people in my heart. I see it's an inside growth in your life. Come on, I see people that know how to use the sword of the Spirit. I see a youth group that knows how to use the sword of the Spirit. I see discipleship happening and relationships form. Father, we just pray your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth, in Makkah and beyond as it is in heaven. I just commit everyone here to you today, the leaders, this church, everyone who serves in this community. Everyone with faith said... Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for having me. Before I go, it's just this is a special place in our heart. So I didn't say it at the start, but I really appreciate the opportunity to share the Word of God here. This, this is like my special place. You can take me out of Mucker. You can't take Mucker out of me. So God bless you. Thank you for worshiping.